Let's read together in the Word of God, turning to Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're beginning to read at verse number 7. And here Paul's drawing a contrast between, on uh, the one hand, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and then the New Covenant, the New Testament in Christ. There was glory in the Old there's greater glory in the new. So that's the, the contrast that Paul is working out at here in these verses. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glory, what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory or all behold the Lord's glory uh, as another possibility are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's often very striking, isn't it? The likenesses that you see Uh, in families. You can see the same uh, features often appearing from one generation to the next. Uh, And you look at someone uh, and you think you're very like your father, you're very like your mother. We can sometimes do that uh, with the students when they come up uh, and we think, you look very like your parents because they're our generation. Of course, that's frightening as well, but you can see similarities cropping up again and again. He's got his mother's nose, she's got her father's ears or whatever it might be. And of course, uh, if you're into art or history, for example, uh, you're maybe familiar with the Habsburgs, the emperors, and the chin uh, that was very distinctive of the Habsburgs. You look at portraits of them and you think, you know who they are. Not difficult to see the likenesses. And of course, more significant than the the physical uh, likenesses, the the appearance, uh, are the characteristics 
that sometimes you see again recurring one generation after another. You see the same uh, personality traits in the next generation, maybe even the next, that you've seen in their parents. Features of their temperaments uh, coming down from generation to generation. Family likenesses can be very obvious. Some people just could not conceal uh, what family they come from. They're so like their siblings. But if that's true in human families, it's true also of the family of God. The children of God are to share in the likeness. They will share in the likeness of the Lord. It's a vital part of our growing as Christians, sharing in the likeness of God, particularly the likeness of our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are believers. We are to become more and more like him. And if there isn't a degree of increasing likeness to Jesus, if we're more like the world than we are like Jesus, then that puts a question mark over our profession to belong to him. If you aren't becoming more like Christ, if you don't want to become more like Christ, there's something wrong. So now as we carry on our checkup, as we're sitting before the the spiritual physician, third question that we ask this week Do you long to be like Jesus? Do you long to be like Jesus? Because there's a crucial question for diagnosing how we are doing spiritually. Do you long to be like Jesus? And several things we think about as we answer that question. And it gets us to the very heart of what it is to be a Christian and what a healthy Christian life looks like. Do you long to be like Jesus? And first of all, we think of the pattern. The pattern. The heart of the gospel, we know, we're constantly repeating it, is how God in grace saves sinners. And we know that salvation is never achieved by our somehow transforming ourselves. The idea that that some have is that being a Christian is, is making yourself good enough for God. As if you changed yourself and then God saved you is nonsense. We don't transform ourselves. We're saved by grace. Ephesians 2.8 is that crucial verse. It's by grace you have been saved. We're not saved by transforming ourselves. But those who are saved by grace are to be transformed. God saves us as we are as sinners. That's true. But he doesn't leave us as we are. Transformation begins when you're saved. Transformation day by day. 
And that brings us particularly to think of Christ. Because he is at the very heart of that transformation. He's what it's all about. The pattern. We think first of all of Jesus, the perfect man. This is getting us to to why he's the pattern. Jesus, the perfect man. Now the church rightly defends vigorously the deity of Christ. We must do that. And the deity of Christ has often been attacked in the history of the church. But we must give as much energy to defending the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's true God. He is also true man. He still, in heaven, in glory, he still has a body and a soul. Do you ever think of that? Do you remember that? Jesus today still has a human body and a human soul in the glory of heaven. He is just like us with the soul, the vital exception of sin. He is free from sin. His humanity is perfect. And the Gospels constantly testify to the humanity of Jesus. You think of him tired. You think of him uh, needing to eat and to take rest. You think of him, as we thought, uh, not all that long ago, of him sleeping in the back of the boat in the storm. The humanity of Jesus is full and perfect. And when we turn to the book of Hebrews, we're reminded in order to save us, as Hebrews 2.16 tells us, he had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he would be the merciful high priest. Made like his brothers in every way. Full humanity. And you find the same in a couple of chapters later in Hebrews 4.15. Jesus, our high priest, we are told, was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Isn't that amazing that he submitted even to the battle of temptation? He is like us in every way, yet without sin. So we can say that the Lord Jesus is everything that human beings were created to be. He is everything that humanity is meant to be. And that's why he is the perfect pattern for our transformation, the pattern to which we are to be conformed as God works in our hearts and lives. Jesus, the perfect man. And alongside that also, Jesus, our example. To develop that just a little more, Jesus, our example. Now, we have to recognize, of course, there are aspects of the life and work of Jesus that are utterly unique. We don't raise the dead. We don't die on a cross There are things that Jesus did that we are not called to do and we cannot do. But in all other respects, aside from his saving work, in all other respects, his life is the perfect example 
of loving conformity to God's law and God's will. Do you want to know what it is to obey God's law? Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, as Peter puts it in 1 Peter 1.19, a lamb without blemish or defect. And so if you're a child of God, your desire will be to be like your elder brother, the Lord Jesus. There'll be a longing in your heart to be like him, to bear the family likeness, to go back to our starting point. There is a proper place for asking what would Jesus do? There are those, of course, who dismiss that question and look down on those uh, who would ask it. And we know there are things that don't apply to us in the life of Jesus. We've said that. But there is a real sense in which we should be asking, what would Jesus do? Because he is the example, he is the pattern for godly living. 1 John 2 and verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. There's no getting around that or away from it. John says, if you're in Christ, you must walk as Jesus did. The life of the Christian is to be increasingly conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And again and again, the New Testament makes that point. 1 Peter 2.21, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The particular example there, uh, 1 Peter 2.21, uh, is suffering unjustly as a Christian. And that, in Jesus' part, is an example to us. Or John 15 and 12, Jesus tells his disciples, love each other as I have loved you. There it is again. He is the perfect example. He is the pattern of what it is to be like Jesus in all respects other than his saving work. We are to be shaped, conformed in the likeness of our Savior, our brother. A pattern Do you long to be like Jesus? Well, there is the pattern. Secondly, we think of the progress. The progress. This isn't something static or something that happens once for all. There is progress. Central to Christian living is the command we have in 1 Peter 1, 15. Just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do. And that call goes out all the way through the Bible. You have it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We are to be holy as God is holy. What what is holiness? Some people have a a, a mental picture of holiness as a kind of of colourless, austere, ascetic, life-denying sort of thing. Sort of life they wouldn't really want. Holiness, to some, seems off-putting. Don't want that. 
But if we are to understand what holiness really is, we need to understand it in terms of the likeness of Christ. It is not cold and off-putting. It is warm. It is attractive. It is fully human. That's what holiness really is. It is being like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's Paul's theme in one of the verses we read there in 2 Corinthians 3, the very last verse. There, Paul writes, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're being transformed into the image of of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can call it progressive sanctification, becoming more and more holy by the work of the Holy Spirit. He reproduces in us the likeness of Christ, that we become less like our sinful, disobedient selves, and we become more and more like our Saviour. And we think, as we look at our Christian lives, there's not much glory there. Don't we feel that often? There's not a lot of glory there. We can see the sins and the failures, and we know we're not making the kind of progress we could make or should make, and we think, glory. I don't see much glory. And yet the wonderful encouragement is that whatever there is of Christ in us is a glorious thing. When God looks at us and he sees something of Jesus, that is glorious. It is not all that we could be or should be, and God is always working in us. But anything of Jesus that's in your heart and life is glorious in God's sight. That's very encouraging, isn't it? And a work, we always have to remember that it is God's work. It's not an achievement. We never are in a position to pat ourselves on the back and say, how like Jesus I've managed to be, haven't I done well? It's not an achievement. It's what God does in us. Paul reminds us of that in Philippians 2.13. It's God who works in you to will and to do his good purpose. So God works in us and all the glory in our likeness to Jesus belongs to God. We don't claim credit for it. It's not an achievement. So what is that likeness to Christ? Well, the New Testament doesn't leave us to wonder. It's spelled out for us. We have it, for example, in what we read in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Like the nine pieces of the fruit. And read through that list, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And isn't it obvious that, first of all, that's a description of Jesus. Love, joy, peace and so forth. 
It's Jesus. It's his portrait that Paul is painting there in Galatians 5. And that's what's reproduced in us as the Holy Spirit does his work. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ, the likeness of Jesus. He exemplifies love and joy and peace and so forth. And then that character increasingly is to be evident in us, his people. You know, sometimes as Christians, we focus on doing, on action. What am I supposed to be doing as a Christian? And we become focused on activity. And sometimes we think the more I'm doing, the holier I must be. And sometimes Christians can measure their holiness in the number of meetings they attend. Or many chapters of the Bible did they read this morning? It's the doing. And the more things I'm doing, the holier I must be. And then you open the scriptures and you see God's first concern is with the kind of people we are. His concern is first of all with being and then with doing. We're not saying doing is unimportant. It is vitally important. But first of all, what kind of people are we? Being and then doing. With the heart, that is God's concern, with what the Bible calls the heart. And you know, the heart in the Bible isn't simply a blood pump. The heart in the Bible is the very center of who you are, with your thoughts and uh, your attitudes and your feelings and your motives, and all of that is your heart. And God's concern, first of all, is with your heart. What kind of heart have you got? That's why we're exhorted in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Being, first of all. What kind of person are you? What kind of heart do you have? God's concern is with being, first of all, and then with the doing that flows from it. And so we need to be asking, what kind of heart do I have and do you have? As the Lord looks, the Bible says, on the heart, looks through any bluff, any hypocrisy, anything that you put up as a smokescreen, and he looks at your heart, does he see something of the heart of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Does he see something of the love and the joy and the peace and so forth of Jesus? What's your heart like today? There's a lot of emphasis, isn't there, on looking after your heart, healthy eating and exercise and all of that. That's good and right and proper. But how is your heart in Bible terms? Is it becoming more like the heart of Jesus? We mustn't fail to understand, of course, that as we talk about this as God's work and what the Holy Spirit does in us and he shapes us and remolds us, we mustn't forget 
The New Testament makes it clear we have a duty to be active in this transformation. We don't change ourselves, certainly not. But we are called to be active. With the Holy Spirit's enabling, we are to use the means of grace the Lord has given us. You see, in some Christian circles, there's the attitude, there's a phrase maybe used to be used more than today, but the attitude's still there. Let go and let God. That sounds good. That sounds very spiritual. Let go and let God. Sit back and God will change you. But the New Testament tells us we have a duty. We have a responsibility to be doing something with God's help, with the power of the Holy Spirit, but we are to be act. If we do not sit back and wait for God to pump holiness into us, we are to be active. Hebrews 12, 14 reminds us, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's something maybe brings us up short. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We are to be active using the means God gave us and feeding on scripture for example remember last week I asked the question do you feed on scripture and that's a very important part of growing as a Christian being transformed into the likeness of Jesus feeding on God's word remember Jesus prayer in John 17 sanctify them by the truth your word is truth And you will never be like Jesus if you're careless about spending time in God's Word. If you rarely read the Scriptures and meditate on them, don't be surprised if you're making little or no progress as a Christian. If you see very little of Jesus in your heart and life, maybe one of the reasons is a neglect of feeding on Scripture. It's vital. The progress pattern is Jesus, the perfect man, the example. The progress that it is God's work in us, reshaping us to be like Jesus, shaping our hearts, and then what we do. But with our being faithful in using the means God has given us. So there's the pattern and the progress. And then a final word on the perfection. The perfection. We could leave it where we've reached. But sometimes you know and I know it can be a real struggle. It can be discouraging because you know how often you fail. You know you don't make the progress that you want to make. And that you know you could make. And you can become discouraged. And maybe almost even tempted to give up. So we need to finish with encouragement. And that's what we have in the scriptures. We're often painfully aware of our failures. And maybe sometimes we're thinking, I'm going to lose this battle. Or worse still, maybe you've had a time when you think, I have lost this battle. I've even lost my salvation, maybe. And those can be very dark times if you experience them. 
But the scriptures do give us encouragement. They give us encouragement first in the present for our day-to-day Christian living. Paul says in Romans 6.14, Sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. That's a great verse, great promise in Romans 6.14. Sin shall not be your master. Though we backslide, though we fail the Lord many times, Ultimately, sin will not again be our master. Christ is our master. And he won't give us up. And he won't let us go. And he will remake us in his likeness. Sin will not be your master. Hold on to that when you're struggling. Hold on to that when you're finding the Christian life difficult. Sin will not be your master, even when you fall. Sin is not back in charge. Christ still is. That's in the present, but that isn't all. Encouragement in the future. We long, don't we, to be more like Jesus. We long to be transformed, and that is a longing that's going to be satisfied. There are longings we have in this life that will never be satisfied. Here's a longing that will. One day, the Christian will be fully like Christ. Our souls will be perfected at death. Souls of believers, the catechism reminds us in good biblical terms, are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 12, the writer talks about the Christian having come to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. And in heaven now, there are the spirits of righteous men and women made perfect. And when we leave this life, that's where we'll go if we belong to Christ and we will be made perfect. And when the Lord comes back, those perfect spirits will be joined to glorified resurrection bodies and we will be like Christ. 1 John 3, when Christ appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Body and soul, the transformation will be complete we will be like him. Doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that give you strength? You see, to to know that one day you'll be fully like Jesus does not encourage you to think, well, then it doesn't matter how far I get in the Christian life now because one day I'll be perfect. That's to misunderstand this wonderful truth. Rather, we should be saying, because one day I'll be fully like Jesus, I want to travel as far along the road now as I can with God's grace and the Spirit's help. Whoever has this hope in him, John writes, purifies himself. The more you think of the glory to come, the more you'll want to be transformed now in the present. Is the Lord at work in your heart? Do you long to be like Jesus 
today. You're not yet perfect. You won't be until you enter glory. But as the work going on and you long for more likeness to your Savior, you look forward to the day when you will be fully like him because you'll see him face to face. Do you long to be like Jesus? If you do, be encouraged by that. Be encouraged even when you're saying to yourself, I'm not very like him. Because the longing is a mark that God's spirit's in your heart. And he will finish the work for his glory.